Hi friends, this is a podcast about belief, healing, and humanity. What makes us who we are? What makes the world tick? And how can we leave it a little bit better than how we found it? This isn't a how-to guide, even though the title suggests it. How to be human is about finding hope in our stories, being better listeners and agents for change. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. This is How to Be Human. Um, Today on this episode of How to Be Human, I am sitting with a really wonderful friend of mine who happens to cut my hair in the best way possible and give me the safest queer experience in a barbershop I've ever had. Yes, today I am interviewing my barber, but most importantly, a friend and an activist within the queer community who I am just thrilled to have talking to y'all. Frankie Edwards is just a gift, especially within the trans transgender community, especially for transgender youth who are really just questioning um, how they become who they feel like they are. Um, Frankie, I would love it if you would just kind of tell our guests a little bit about you and a little bit about your story and and where you are in this season. So, wow, what an intro. (laughs) I feel like I have to back that up with with quite a lot. But yes, I'm Frankie, 29, from Atlanta, Snowville, actually. So, Snowville, Georgia is a suburb, the best place to grow up when you're queer and trans. But uh, that's my roots. And um, I've been a barber for, been doing hair almost nine years, and I've been a barber for almost five. And it allows me to meet wonderful people like yourself and to help people in the community feel better in their own skin. And as much as people don't think that a haircut does a lot it really can especially when it comes to your gender identity oh yeah which makes you feel validated yeah I will say uh I do have a really big purpose I feel in my life is to be an activist in the community and providing the simplicity of my barbershop tiger's eye um for me it's been very fulfilling because in previous places that I've worked I didn't have the freedom and etc but having tiger's eye it's a very comfortable very safe space where anybody can walk through the doors and feel comfortable and ask for whatever haircut they want Mm -hmm. i typically in the past especially at the previous place i worked had like you know a good bit of queer clients but a lot of them didn't come to me until tiger's eye because they didn't feel comfortable because i was working in a a little bit more of a hyper-masculine barbershop and they didn't really feel comfortable going in there, first of all. Right. Or, needless to say, being in there in that environment and then feeling comfortable to go outside of what their quote-unquote normal has been and finding their new normal, you know. So having that Tiger's Eye is great and I'm able to help people. But also outside of Tiger's Eye, I like to do a good bit of activism where if it's minimal, just going to like some high school GSAs and speaking um, or going to colleges. I've gone to one church. I, and also Tiger's Eye, again, it helps me with my activism because I have a lot of queer youth that comes into my shop with, you know, most of the time accepting parents or parents that are a little confused and meeting someone like me that's, you know, I'm not dead. Right. (laughs) I'm here. I made it. (laughs) It got better. And... I am able to fulfill them by giving them education and helping them 
and their child and kind of showing them that I'm not like any different than any other person. And I try not to over, how do I word this? Like I, I, I like being very visible in the community, mm-hmm. but I don't want to be like the crossfitter of like trans people. You know right. what I mean? So like sometimes I try to not like over push it like on people, not push it mean like I'm pushing people to be one way or the other, but I try to leave it very open where it's some, explorative. Exactly. Yeah. And some people initially don't know that they're trans, but I could see it. Mm-hmm. And I try to just give them guidance and say, you know, like maybe change your pronouns. Just try that. Simple. And at the time they're like, oh, no, no, no. And then the next time I cut their hair, they're like, so I changed my pronouns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're right. And it makes me feel good. And it makes me, you know, and some of them say I changed my pronouns. And I don't really know. And I'm like, that's okay. Sometimes I'm confused. You know, some days like I feel more feminine energy in myself and some days I feel more masculine energy in myself and I think that that's what is beautiful to show people that it's okay Mm -hmm. that you can be whatever you want you know so I would be just a terrible host if I didn't ask you to give us your pronouns now so that we could start this out the gate in full form correctness Um, what are your pronouns how do you identify in the world so my pronouns are he him but I will also take they, them. I, when it comes down to overall, I just prefer Frankie. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of weird for people to talk about you in that third term all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Frankie this, Frankie, you know, like, but when it comes down to it, I, he, him fits and it feels good for me. But I'll, again, I'll take they, them. I identify transgender, non-binary. You know, non-binary is how I've identified since my early 20s. And... It is a term that is under the transgender umbrella, I believe. But I do also feel transgender in the way of I don't feel like I... I I don't ever think that I was, quote-unquote, born in the wrong body. Mm -hmm. I think that I was born in this body for a reason. And sometimes when I feel gender dysphoria or I have issues with myself or I'm having a moment or somebody misgenders me, I try to channel that in a way of saying, well you know what, like, I know what women have gone through, and I've had X, Y, and Z happen to me. I've had, you know, I've had my cycle, and then that's traumatic, you know, at times. <laughs> and I've had, you know, misogyny. I've had all different types of, you know, I've had female privilege at one point in my life, and, you know, going from female privilege to male privilege has been such a struggle for me, and I, I still struggle with it sometimes, but I try to be sure to accept myself and that's the number one thing that you have to do and it took me a while but because you have only um you've been on testosterone for a year and a half correct uh, 13 months 13 months Mm -hmm. okay math right close (laughs) yeah yeah getting there there. (laughs) you know you round you round down um so i think there is this and you can always say I, I don't agree or I think differently, but I think there's a common misconception um, that if you say you're transgender, then you must be on testosterone or you must be on estrogen or you must be doing these other things that it isn't just like an experience that you're having without any um, other elements in the picture. Right. Yeah, that's a really, really good question, actually, or a topic to talk about, because a lot of people sometimes aren't aware of certain um Things like that. Like, I have clients, like, especially sometimes cis men, 
that sit in my chair and they're like, okay, so you're transitioning. Um, you know, yeah, you're getting top surgery because I got top surgery nine weeks ago. And they'd say, so you're getting top surgery, but are you going to get like a full transition? You know, oh my and that's very offensive oh my because I don't know them that well. And maybe uh. I do, but, but if I did know you, you wouldn't say something like that to mm-hmm. me. So I always try to say, be careful <laughs> the way that you talk to queer people, first of all, because you may offend somebody by saying that kind of question. Right. If I feel comfortable enough to tell you how my personal gender journey is going, then I will. But being on hormones, getting surgery... All these things do not make me more trans. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be trans, or you don't have to get any of these things done. If I didn't want to be on hormones, if I didn't want to get top surgery, if I didn't want to change my name, if I just say I'm trans, I'm trans. You're trans. And before I did all of these medical things, I identified male for many years. When I met my fiance, Rachel, I was pre-T, pre-everything. Didn't, hadn't changed my name yet, any of this stuff, but I identified male and I used he, him pronouns. Mm-hmm. And for a minute, it, you know, took people to kind of process that. But eventually when I said, I don't want anybody to use female pronouns anymore, respect that. Right. You know, or when people would ask me and say, I actually use male pronouns. After that, it was, it was, that was it. I have my own personal dose of testosterone, you know, and stuff like that, but I've lowered mine uh, after about six months or so. Because it was a little much. Yeah. <laughs> and not all trans people, again, are on hormones. Not all trans people take the full dose that the doctor gives you. You find your sweet spot, what works for you. Right. And that's the beautiful thing about it. Yeah, it's an exploration of your being. Right. Um, and no one can tell you what that means for you because they're not you. No. Um, you know, I'm, I myself identify as non-binary, but it took me a very long time to get to a point where I would say out loud, I identify as non-binary. I had to work through levels of internalized homophobia when I was thinking and feeling like, actually, I feel like, you know, I feel good in this space and this space. Like, I identify with my masculinity and my femininity, and I don't really like being stuck in one or the other. Like, I feel like this in-between space works me well. Happy medium. Yeah, and wrestling with that was extremely difficult. And when I would have conversations with certain people who have not done the work to understand language or who wouldn't do the work if I would give them the language. Please do your homework. If someone gives you the language, gives you the things to read, it means that they love you and that they would love to have conversation with you, but like you have to do a little lifting. Right. Um, I, people have this massive misconception that like you have to alter your body to identify under right. the transgender umbrella. And that's just simply not true. It's so <laughs> false and like, you know, that's another Thing, like when the the client <clears throat> I've had multiple clients say that I've had multiple friends nine times out of ten they're not trying to be malicious they're just like in their own ignorant mind yeah. right so yeah. for me that's where my activism is stepped up and I hype up mm-hmm. and I say okay now I want to help you so I'd say <clears throat> to the first time that happened to me I was really shocked and I was like <laughs> I was like 
It's like, oh my god, you just asked me that? Like, oh, do you mean am I going to get a phallus? Yeah. <laughs> do you mean, like, are you, are you curious about what I'm going to have in my pants? Is that what you're wondering? Yeah. Oh, because that's really personal. What do you have in your pants? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you get that, like, medically done? Or, or do you plan on changing that? You know, like, that's a personal question. I think I said, first of all, no, I'm not getting bottom surgery. Because that is my personal choice. Mm-hmm. I don't have bottom dysphoria. I don't know if that's going to be the future, but I'm pretty sure that I don't want that, right? Mm-hmm. But if I chose to tell you that, that's different. You know, if you just point blank ask me that, it's offensive. So the next time you talk to a queer person and you question, like, or if you're curious of how their transition is going medically, make sure that you find the right words. Because you may offend that person, you know, may mess up the relationship forever, you know? Yeah. And so I try to educate in that way. And some people are like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I'm sorry. I wasn't even, you know, it's just what I was on my head. And I'm like, I get it. It's what I knew. Right. Right. But after that conversation, you can no longer say it's what I knew. Yep. Because you've been told yep. the and truth of the matter. Right. And I, it's like, yeah. um, like some some of my clients, like they never really used pronouns with me because they were just around me, right? Mm-hmm. So like there would be like times where like me and Rachel, we went to a burlesque show one time with one of my best clients. He bought us tickets. Dita Montes was great, and I was identifying male for a long time. And he, I was at the bar. I was actually flirting with a girl to try to get VIP passes for me and Rachel, yeah, and, it, and it did work. Congrats. Um, right. So he was like, where did he was talking to Rachel? He's like, where did she go? And she was like, who is he talking about? You know, and she's like, Frankie, where did where did he go? And he was like, he uses he him pronouns. And she was like, yeah, he's used that. So he was not trying to be malicious. He just wasn't aware. Yeah. I never had the conversation with him. Yeah. And when you're trans, it's like you're having to have that conversation all the time. All the time. You have to come out all over again. It's like when you're having to come out, like, when now I'm to the point where I'm quote-unquote passable, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So now, when some people, when they meet me and they find out that I'm trans, you know, they don't know. This isn't necessarily offensive. But when people say, oh, my God, I never, I didn't know. I didn't know you were trans. Oh, my God. Wow. Holy shit. You're like, whoa. It's like working. You know, these are like things that I've heard, right? Oh, what's working to you? Do, do, do you think, what's working? You think the way I'm presented, the way mm-hmm. I'm dressing? Because I dressed this way before I had any hormones in my body. So, what, you know what I mean? And most of the time, it, it's a compliment in a way from them. But at the same time... Does it feel like erasure? Right. Yeah. And I'm, I want to be visible. Yeah. Because you're proud. Yes, of course. You've worked really hard to, to like, love every piece of you. Right. And when someone does that, it's saying, well, I don't see that. And I also don't want to be, like, you know, necessarily in the white, like, cis privilege role, you know, because that is what is the most powerful person in our country, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about the person that I will not say that happens to be our president. But... (laughs) I'm he talking about like, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, Baltimore of our of our country. Um, oh, bless us! Right, <laughs> it's just undeniable. You know, sometimes I go to certain places and I get this weird privilege, mm-hmm. and I'm not really used to it yet. I walk into a gas station sometimes, and like, there's one around the corner from our place, and I walked in there, and people like people are in line, people are like filling out lottery tickets, and they all move for me because I'm like a white guy, right? Yeah. And I'm like, you guys, I don't have a lot of money. <laughs> I'm a small business owner, and I, we just opened up a year ago. And I'm like, 
you know, I'm not like making it rain, okay? But like it's a it's a thing, you know, or like women, like groups of women. I'll like I've I've walked by a table by my shop and there's like a group of women and like I walk by and as soon as I'm in front of them they like stop talking. Or like if I come up to a group of women I've in the past that I say something and like my my voice is different. And I love my voice. I love how it's deepened and it's changed, but I also out myself a lot, I find, to make people feel more comfortable. Like, sometimes I'll get in the back of an Uber and there's, like, a person of color driving, especially, like, a cis person of color. Mm. And, like, they immediately, like, oh, this is a white guy. And, like, sometimes I will make a, a creative way to out myself as trans and they immediately are, like, Relax. Oh, God. You know, or a woman. You know, like, I'm less threatening. And that's weird to me because I'm also, like, a person that's outside of the spectrum. Like... My therapist always said it was like this, like L-G-B-T. Yeah. And like trans people... It's very out of sight, out of mind. It is. And the lesbians and the gays over here, we're all a family, right? But no, since I'm trans, you it's some, some hate comes in that where mm-hmm. some people, you know, hate on trans people or act like we're sick and, or like whatever. I've heard all these things. Yeah, you know? there's so much more work to be done within the queer right. community just for understanding right the spectrum of what makes up our umbrella of being queer people right um and queer is another cool term that we're taking back you know yeah we're taking that word and we're taking all the negativity that was behind it years and years ago and we're like taking it and we're like holding it with pride like Mm -hmm. fuck yeah i'm queer and it makes you like rachel my fiance you know, she was mostly with bio-females, and then she was with, um, you know, like, one cis guy, and then, like, with bio-females again, right? I was her first trans experience, and, you know, it's a good term for her, because she's not a lesbian, you know? I'm not a lesbian. Mm-hmm. So we can say, I'm queer. Mm-hmm. And it gives her the umbrella term to know that any type of person that she wants to date, she it's in there, you know? Yeah, my and partner it, is the same way. Right, it makes, yeah, it makes, yeah exactly, because yeah. you're non-binary. But I was journeying internally um, and shifted to saying queer because that felt like a safer all-encompassing inclusive like familiar type space for me and then as gender became more of a conversation piece I was like oh no actually for me my previous my ex before uh, Rachel you know was accepting Mm quote-unquote but used she her pronouns Mm -hmm. when I did not want that Mm -hmm. I asked for her to change I would be you know I would like put binders on all the time I would cry before I'd go out sometimes because I didn't feel comfortable because of my chest and she would say please don't get top surgery I really like your chest all this kind of stuff you know because she wanted to be with a woman Mm -hmm. and that's not who I am yeah and so being with Rachel my you know she's the only first accepting partner I've mm-hmm. had. Not saying your your partner's obviously accepting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but for me, I allowed her uh-huh. to use those pronouns. I allowed her to talk to me like that. I allowed myself to be with someone that was not accepting. Mm-hmm. They thought they were, but <clears throat> she really wasn't. Mm-hmm. And to see me go through wearing binders and doing that and then still continuing to say please 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 don't get top surgery i'm like what that's not that's right (laughs) exactly so like that's some secrecy right and it's okay (laughs) with shifting like pronouns and stuff like that over Mm -hmm. time because people Mm -hmm. are getting used to Mm -hmm. it but it's correcting because having a supportive partner having you know family is one thing family's hard 
you know, but your your partner, like your person, mm-hmm. like that is what changed my game. Mm-hmm. And being with her, you know, she went with me to get my name changed. Mm-hmm. She does every single one of my testosterone shots for me every week. I've done one shot myself. <laughs> and I don't even remember why I did it myself. <laughs> why did I do it myself? Yeah. I don't know. No, no, no. She, no. she knows. I don't know why I did it myself. So I put it, I did one shot myself, but she does all of them for me. Whenever we're at a restaurant, well, this doesn't happen as often mm-hmm. <clears throat> or at all, really. And like in the past, people would come up and be like, hey, ladies, what can I get you to drink? And she'd say, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll take a water and he'll have a Coke. Yep. And so that's her very slick way of saying that's actually he him. Yeah. And this is how he yeah. identifies. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, the person is like, oh, you know, and like. You get the, I'm sorry a lot, right? Mm-hmm. In the beginning, um, years and years ago, like when I fully like fully changed my pronouns, when people would say, I'm sorry, I'd say, it's okay. It's, it's okay. Now, I don't say that. Yeah. Because it's not. It is really difficult. It's, but all... To, to deprogram right. the apologetics exactly. of gender. And that's also being in the South, too, I yeah. feel. Because yeah. we apologize about too much. We have a lot of apologetics. We oppression. do. <laughs> we do. So, like, now when people say, like, if they, whatever, mess, I just say, I just kind of nod and just say, like, thank you. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I try to make it, like, because I don't want them to feel comforted in the fact that they misgendered me. I don't want them to feel bad about it, necessarily, unless it's malicious. Right. Then, if it's malicious, yeah. then it's like, mm, it's that's them, not you. Mm-hmm. And that's just the type of people that, like, I honestly feel bad for. Yeah. Because that's, like, your own head, and one day you'll get out of the rock that you've been under. It's really great to have um, supportive community. Absolutely. Uh, especially um, when it's so easily to be misunderstood. Right. Um Literally, I think most of the conversations where non-binary has come up, Chelsea, my partner, has been the one who, like, speaks for me. Right. (laughs) Because I'll be like, I'm not to the point yet where I can, like, fully speak for myself the way I want to. And she'll step in and do it complete justice. So if I feel like somebody is maliciously doing it, Mm -hmm. or if I feel like they're uneducated about how I identify, um, like, I've seen people that I haven't seen, you know, since high school. And, right. and, the, and a lot of people don't recognize me now, but like some people will be like, oh my God. And they'll say dead name, you know, and then I'll be like, it's actually Frankie now. Yeah. You know, and they're like, oh, okay. Like, so that's the kind of circumstance where it's good to kind of tell them that, mm-hmm. and especially before transition, you know, medically transitioning. That's a good way to be like, by the way, this is how I, like, we went to a friend of mine's top surgery benefit. And I saw a girl I haven't seen since I was 17. And I went up to her and I was like, hey. And she was like, hi, I'm, you know, her name's Renee. Mm-hmm. And, um, hi, Renee. You're right. Yeah, hey, girl. <laughs> and um, she was like, hey. And I was like, and she was like, hi, I'm Renee. And I was like, yeah, I'm Frankie. And I kind of like let it happen for a minute. I was like, this is Rachel, my fiance. And then I was like, you know, we know each other, right? Mm-hmm. Like we were like went to Starbucks all the time and we were like queer kids. And she was like, oh, holy shit. And she was like, I can't even believe. Wow. She didn't even recognize me. Uh-huh. Right. And she was like, and she told Rachel, she's like, you know, everybody had a crush on him. Right. <laughs> and like, it was really cute. And I was like, oh my God, stop. But keep going. But <laughs> um, yeah, details. right. Just, just everybody. Right. Just give me the whole list. Right. But yeah, you know, like circumstances like that, where if you find it's important, I think it is. If you feel unsafe, it's different. 
So mm-hmm. that's a situation where, like, I never want to be in the closet, and I never will be. But if I'm traveling, you know, through North Georgia, mm-hmm. and I stop at a gas station mm-hmm. to get some gas or something, you know, I'm not going to be as, like, open as I normally am. And yeah. that's, again, not hiding. It's for safety. It's taking care of your own life. Mm-hmm. Because there could be somebody that, you know, and that is a circumstance where it's a little more convenient to be quote unquote passable mm-hmm. because people don't explain passable. passable. So yeah. passable meaning that I will pass as a man mm-hmm. and not necessarily as a cis man, but just as a man. And most people in society, quote unquote, that aren't woke like us you know see me as a cis man Mm -hmm. and that's not what I'm going for I'm not the type of trans guy that wants to be stealth quote unquote which is where over time you're so passable that you just don't out yourself and you prefer to be seen as cis Mm. that's not me right I want to be seen as trans I like to be visible in the community when people don't know I tend to let them know Mm -hmm. or if they feel some type of way about trans people and they don't know I'm trans, I'm going to let them know. Of course. You know, and stuff like that. But That's activism 101. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I'm not trying to make you feel uncomfortable. I'm just trying to let you know. Yeah. You they, know a trans person. Right. I'm yep. here. <laughs> yep, I'm here. And I'm queer. <laughs> and I'm not going anywhere. Right. So you recently, how long has it been since top surgery? It's been nine weeks. And you, your top surgery was... In Florida, Yes. Right? I, yeah. I saw um, Dr. Garamoni. He is in uh, Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. So I went to see him. He's one of the more well-known doctors, I would say, in the country. Got amazing results. I researched for many, many years, and I've discovered that his results were the most consistent. So I had to kind of go with my gut and say, I need to go with Dr. Garamoni because he's in Florida, so it's convenient for me to fly down from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And it was also cool because... Tell me about where you stayed post-op. Yes. Because this is a magical place that people should know Right, about. exactly. I was just about to touch on that. So I stayed at New Beginning, which is a aftercare uh, facility. It's almost like an Airbnb for queer people. So they set you up for success where your partner can stay there, your parent can stay there, your best mm-hmm. friend can stay there with you. They get their own bed. Mm-hmm. Every room has like... Um, recliners in it so you can be comfortable and they have all the medication they've had overnight you can't lay down right yes yeah. you can't well you can't um lay on your side or on your yeah. you have to sleep on your back because you have drains coming from your sides and then you're basically mummified as i like to call it <laughs> which is you know not fun so being in this you know after process of surgery is you know not the most fun. So I wanted to set myself up for success and being there was the best decision I ever made because they take you to your surgery. They take you to your pre-op. They'll even a couple days later when you're feeling like frisky and you want to like get out of the house, they'll even take you to like the mall or the beach and just like let you be there, you Mm -hmm. know, and, um, anything that happens like a complication or nausea or whatever, they have everything there for you. Have it all set up. Even like when you're living, when you're in the living room, if you're like sitting there and your back itches, you look to your right and there's a back scratcher on oh the table. Oh my gosh! So like everything is everything. Involved. And on top of that, they've had all different patients, right? And the one of the cooler parts too is there was a guy Nick 
that got his surgery done as well with a different surgeon. Mm-hmm. And so we got ours the same day within hours of each other. Wow. So we were able to recover together. Aww. And he had his partner there as well. So his girlfriend was there. So that was cool for like Rachel to be able to like talk to another partner that's going through supporting Mm -hmm. a partner who's had a major surgery right which is it can be taxing exactly emotionally taxing exactly i was totally uh watching all the instagram videos (laughs) waiting in anticipation and reading from you from afar so many people were reading for you from afar (laughs) i have quite a uh amazing support system i'm super super lucky for that in that situation i can't even contemplate being in like a hotel room Mm -hmm. like and going through that right I would be so uncomfortable because for me my recovery was was not the easiest and I knew that it wouldn't be easy but I couldn't sleep at all so I just didn't <laughs> so I just took like disco naps and <laughs> basically like my poor partner was you know like she slept when she could you mm-hmm. know and like she was so nervous for me so like she's such a light sleeper that like I would be like in my bed because I laid in one bed and she laid in the other and like I would like move and she would be like are you okay you know like you know because she's concerned and like I didn't have like anything like super negative happen but I'm you know I had like a little bit of complications after I left just from overdoing it yeah so if I can give anybody advice out there if you get top surgery chill the fuck out (laughs) okay get you some good podcasts like this one listen to all of Rachel's previous people that went on her show their their show so there's a good example right there Mm -hmm. so For me, you've recently changed your pronouns, right? Right. Right. So for me, I was using she, her a month ago or two months ago. Yeah. Until you told me. Yeah. So like, even for me, queer people, we slip up and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. But for someone like you that's not as like in that pronoun, you know what I mean? Like you haven't, you you still don't, to me, well, and you still don't feel like like they, them is my pronoun. No. Yeah. I'm like. is like mine. I'm like, yes. I am. You, you know, still kind of figure that it out. That moment will, will arrive. And you know, you might flip between all three of them. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have non-binary friends that literally use possi- all of them. It's a huge possibility. Right. Um, and sometimes the, it depends for them on the day. Uh-huh. Sometimes they're like, today I'm she, her. Yeah. Tomorrow I'm they, them. Wednesday I'm he, him. Yeah. More and more and more, they, them feels like good. Feels like home. Yeah. It feels well. Um, but it's, you're right. It's not something that I'm like, yes, right. yet. <laughs> right. But I think it's also just like working with the internal structure that's like kind of fighting that. Like, where's right. that messaging coming from? Right. And deconstructing that more. But yeah, we, yeah, queer people slip up too. I slip up and kindly correct myself in that moment or like finish my sentence and then correct myself. Or like there's times where you were just talking about someone and you're thinking about them and you use that pronoun on accident. Mm-hmm. Like I've done that before. Oh my God, I do that all the time. I mean, I misgender like my <laughs> cis male clients sometimes, you know? Yeah. And like it is like the stereotype of like, oh girl, you know? Mm-hmm. That's like a thing and like I don't get offended by that. Oh my gosh, eradicating the southern la- language mm-hmm. is hard to do. Right. Because, like, you'll say, like, lady mm-hmm. or, you know, girl like that. Right. And I used to, or dude. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I still I still say man. Like, that's the thing I used, I've done my entire life. So, like, that's the last one hanging on. But the rest of them I haven't done in quite some time. I would say, like, the number one thing that, like, strikes a nerve with me, besides being, like, just unapologetically misgendered, is when wait like servers or waitresses come up to a table and they say like ladies or 
whatever. Like, because to me, I'm like, all right, it's 2019, especially if they live in Atlanta. Like, get with it. And, like, look <laughs> at the table. Like, most of the time, if I'm with people, we look very much queer. You're kind of questioning you our tell. gender. Right. You're yeah. Like, well, how do they yeah. identify? So, like, folks. That's true. Hey, um, mm-hmm. hey people. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many other terms mm-hmm. that you can use that you don't have to put a gender to it. And that's another thing that people, like, have to gender things, you know? Yeah. I like to gender items now. <laughs> like, I'm so serious. You can ask Rachel. Like, I gender things, and it's all, always, nine times out of ten, she. Uh-huh. Because I, like, have all the respect for women, too. Yes. So, like, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, she likes that. You know? <laughs> like, or I'll just be like, ooh, look at her. You know, look at this hat. Like, ooh, she's cool. You know, whatever. Because I don't know why. But I feel like I control that. Yeah. And it's, like, an item. But, you know. Interesting sidebar. Do you, right. you gender your belongings? Right. <laughs> <laughs> is this a way to negate not doing it to actual humans? You right. just gender your eyes. Right. <laughs> I used all of my she's and yep. all of my he's on my <laughs> items so that I don't slip up right. with my humans. <laughs> Something that I have loved when I get my hair cut by you, um, which if you are in Atlanta and you haven't been to Tiger Eye Barbershop, you should. Or just try it. You don't have to do anything I tell you to do, but I think you should go. Yeah, come kick um, it. We have video games and stuff, too. Yeah. You just want to chill. Super just relaxing, affirming, safe space. Like, you feel safe, and you know you're going to be taken care of well. This is not actually that. what I'm leaning into, but I just want to say that hair is totally spiritual, and hair is so important, and my hair is, like, an extension of my being and how I represent myself and going to other places to get my hair cut has always been a journey (laughs) and not a positive one because I want somebody to like affirm that I want I want a male haircut Mm -hmm. like that's really what I want Mm -hmm. and I don't want somebody to judge me for that so if you feel like you've been having those experiences recently and you live in Atlanta you should try Tiger Eye that's just my plug for the day but the real thing I want to talk about is you have so many experiences or you've been kind of having experiences with youth youth that come into your space that are just going to have a haircut and then also be able to see a reflection of either who they're trying to go towards or who they're trying to figure out um and you've been talking to a lot of youth. Mm-hmm. If there's somebody listening right now that is of the younger accord who really has no idea or no information available to them, maybe their parents aren't even affirming of the situation that's trends that's happening um, and they're being, what would you say to them? What's guidance that you've given some of the youth that you've talked to? So I would say I definitely talk to a lot of youth because I've gone to a lot of GSAs, my personal high school GSA that I started, which is really full circle for me. Oh my she started a gay straight alliance mm-hmm. that's dope i got it like in snowville mm-hmm. that's really dope i know it's crazy <laughs> yeah i remember like that's bold honey right? <laughs> that's 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 moving stuff like I, I remember putting up like signs and stuff and like putting it up and then like a football player like ripping it down oh, right wow. after me and being like bag it and like you know uh, yeah and just like like then i would like you know cry yeah. and be like upset and Ooh, now i'm like now I'd be like, oh, yeah? Come over here and show me. What'd you say? You know, <laughs> say that in my face. Let me let me show you what a, weir- a real queer person is like, because mm-hmm. we're just like anybody else. Mm-hmm. And you're probably ripping that down because you're queer on the inside. Yeah. Right. So, like, yeah, I would say with parents, parents are, um, <laughs> it's always interesting because it depends on the parent. Mm-hmm. And if they're supportive, then I'm, like, all about it. 
Right. Like I have a kid coming on Saturday, the Saturday that one of my best friends, his wife works at a doctor's office and she was at the desk and uh, this queer kid comes in. He's like 15, little trans boy and his mom and on his chart it has his dead name, but he's been like, I'm this. And so then my friend, Bree, who mm-hmm. is very aware of this kind of stuff because her best friend yeah. or her husband's best friend is a trans guy. Mm-hmm. And like I cut his hair as well. That's how mm-hmm. I met him. Anyway, so she comes up to the mom and was like, hey, um, it says this on the chart, but doesn't he go by this? And the mom like started crying and was like, yes, oh my God, thank you so much. Like, And she mentioned something about me and she was like, you know, my husband's best friend like has this barbershop in Atlanta. You could talk to him sometime. And so now on Saturday, I close the end of my book and I'm going to cut his hair and just talk to her a little bit because sometimes the parent just needs to meet somebody Mm -hmm. and sometimes they need to meet somebody that's going to affirm their child and say, this is how it is. These are the steps, you know, like, is your child want to change their name? Does your child want to be on hormones? Blah, blah, blah. You have to be patient, especially the kids. Kids always want it right then, especially in high school. Like when I've seen some of these kids in GSAs are like, how do I get on hormones? I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. First of all, you're going through puberty right now. Right. So that's yeah, a thing. That is hormones. I've, I've already been through that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I've done mm-hmm. that. I'm an adult going through puberty. Mm-hmm. But you got to be patient. You got to get in therapy. And I think everybody should be in therapy no matter what. Doesn't matter if you are having a hard time in your life. Everybody should be in therapy at some point. And like even, you know, if you have the money and, find, you know, means to do it anyway. But especially with medically transitioning, you need to talk to a therapist and figure out where you're at. And then the next step is, you know, going to a doctor, etc. But I find that with youth lately, they it's coming out. You know, they don't know how to come out. Hmm. So I'm like, OK, let's let's walk you through it. Why are you scared? Are you scared because your parents are not supportive? Are you scared because your friends aren't? Are you scared because you don't know? You know, I can help you with all that, you know, and let them see that you're not alone. And now in 2019, kids don't want to come out because their family isn't accepting. Right. And that's close to home for me Mm. because, and I took my mom with me to one of the GSAs, right? Because I asked them, I said, do you guys want to see a parent or would you see a partner? And they're younger. So they were like, we want to see your partner, but like... Could you bring your mom in mm-hmm. to see what a supportive parent looks like? So she came in and it was kind of interesting because there were things that she brought up that I kind of like tucked away in my brain mm-hmm. that I'd forgotten about. And there was one time when we were driving before I was outed because I was outed at 16. We were driving. I was 15. And I said, Mom, what would you say if I was gay? And she said, I would be embarrassed. Mm. I think it would mess up my business mm. and all this stuff. So, right. So I like tucked that away deep in my brain. Yeah. Because now, you know, 14 years later, my parents are super supportive, but it was not overnight. No, that shit is not overnight. (laughs) Right. And my dad still struggles with pronouns. Yeah. My dad still misgenders me all the time. And for my personal, my parents are great. My mom's super supportive and great. They love Rachel and she's been a big help with that. But like my dad called me when I was in Florida after I got my top surgery and I knew this would happen. I was like, he's not going to take me seriously till I get my top surgery. And he's like, well, you're officially a man. And I'm like, I've been a man before I did hormones. Yeah all before this so like I can understand why family can be hard you know that's my personal like bit it's hard for me it's still a struggle but some of these kids that are like out that mm-hmm. are trans and they're out and they're already on hormones and stuff that's so brave to me and that's so cool to be aware but you also have to be aware of society yeah and make sure that you're safe yeah and make sure that you're doing this correctly and through a doctor and that 
you know, you're young. Like, I'm 29. I, I waited this long because this is how my journey went. And because I had to make sure this was the right choice. Because I'm not going to go and do something medically that is irreversible, mm-hmm. you know, that I might regret. Mm-hmm. Because, like, if I wanted to, I could go off hormones. And I'd get my cycle back. My voice would not necessarily get higher. I would just lose some of the depth of it. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be as depth because I wouldn't have testosterone in my body. But there are irreversible changes. Like, yeah. my jawline is not going to go back to, like, being as sharp. I, I don't know about the Adam's apple. I can't remember. I think you keep your Adam's apple. You develop. Um, my body weight distribution would change a little bit, but that would be it. Mm-hmm. Like, the hair that I've already grown on my body. There's irrevert like, the changes that happen, you know, downstairs. That's not going to change. Yeah. So, like, I had to make sure it was the right decision. So some of these kids, like, when they're like, I want to go into hormones right now, I'm like, make sure this is right. Yeah. You know, and I don't want to be that old person telling you that, but I'm kind of going to be that old person and tell you that. Yeah. You know? And also, with kids, too, they just want to know that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. The GSA that they're at, they have the, you know, 10, 15, 20, whatever amount of kids that are there. But to see an older queer person... They know they're going to make it. Mm-hmm. That, like, is yeah. successful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, I, I like to... Think of me and Rachel joke about being zealous celebrities, right? Because we're not, you know, like I'm. I don't like uh, the quote unquote fame for vanity reasons or anything other than just being me. Because mm-hmm. for me, I'm not like the most good looking guy in the world. I'm not the most talented barber in the whole world. I'm not like the, you know what I mean? Like, but. I know that I'm me and I own that and I own like every part of me even if I don't really like it you know and like there's certain sides of myself that I didn't know that I would like like when I was younger I was six, I've been six three since I was 12 and that was like awkward for anybody no matter how you identify in gender <laughs> but so I didn't but I love it now I feel like it's what you're doing by having these opportunities um is providing that mirror reflection of um, solidifying that the truth in you is is also in front of you and that you can move towards that and you don't have to, like, hold it in or hold mm-hmm. it back. Um, and I think it's, like, powerful, important work that you're doing um, across the board, but especially spending time with, with youth, especially um, youth that are trying to discover, um, you know, how they identify in the world as transgender. That's just so hard. It's still so misunderstood. It is. Um, and in the South, it's it's like a death sentence in a family. And if you just Which is people, not real. Right. <laughs> but that would be the reaction kind of. of the majority. Yeah, sometimes. And But when you meet people, like sometimes, like I've met like a client or like a person at a bar or wherever you meet them. And they meet you and they see you and like most of the time people are very interested so they ask questions Mm -hmm. which is fine i'm like i'm an open book ask away Mm -hmm. i've been asked many of these questions before (laughs) believe me for them to see you and be like oh like almost like that's it you know like it's like yeah i'm a barber also you know like it, it shouldn't be like a really like it shouldn't be an offensive thing like if i walked up to somebody at a bar and was like so i just killed this person you know <laughs> yeah understandable for that person to judge that the would be shit a reaction right. thing. okay like that's not unmoral that's you yeah know, your not... gender and your sexuality is just a piece of your person right exactly. it isn't like the focal point unless you like want it to be the focal point right. in that conversation or that point 
And like there, there's no negative thing about it. What's what? How is how me existing and my identity and what feels validating to me? How is that affecting you? Because mm-hmm. what you're doing is not affecting me, mm-hmm. unless you're voting for somebody that I don't like. <laughs> then that's gonna affect me in a different way, though. But you know what I yeah. mean? Just existing. Like I'm not gonna like. It just makes no sense. Like there's this um, Bill Nye. The, his new show. There's this episode on gender and sexuality. So if anybody, I love that you're talking about Bill Nye. Right, right. So yeah. <laughs> I, I also cosplay Bill Nye, and it's yes, great. You do. <laughs> and I do a little bit of some dancing with my lovely fiance as Miss Frizzle, and it's great. So if you're ever curious about that, it happened, and it still happens. You can but, find it somewhere. Right, it's somewhere yeah. on the interwebs, I'm sure. <laughs> Or on a stage somewhere. So there's an episode on gender and sexuality. It's like the eighth episode in the first season, I think. And it's a beautiful episode because he breaks down the difference in gender and sexuality. And he also talks about being on the spectrum and all of the above. And it's a beautiful episode. And there's a really funny yet simple um, little bit that he has on there about ice cream flavors and stuff. And it's talking about like vanilla and chocolate and this and that. And it's like vanilla is like, <laughs> I am vanilla and all of you should be vanilla. Vanilla. Mm-hmm. And then mint chocolate's like, well, I'm mint chocolate. I'm over here being two awesome things at once. What's wrong with that? You know? Mm-hmm. And it's super simple in a way of putting that, to like, when people watch it, they're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And I'm like, yeah, that's how gender is. Like, what? What? You don't get it? You know, like, so little things like that. And, like, anybody that hasn't seen that episode, I show it to people all the time. I showed it to my fiance, like, the second night we hung out. <laughs> because it's so inspiring. Because mm-hmm. Bill Nye is a white cis man and he also defines being cisgender. Like, all these definitions. I mean, Bill Nye is great. Right. Who? I mean, I have loved Bill Nye my whole life. Right. And he's respected by people. Mm-hmm. He's a cisgender, yeah. white, older man. So to do so that is really incredible. he's reaching other audiences that normally, when they watch the show, they're expecting something else. And they see it and they're like, oh... You know, and that to me is activism right there, mm-hmm. you know, because all these different people will watch him just like how I love Ellen DeGeneres. Right. So Ellen is another example of that. She reaches all these different audiences. Right. Mm-hmm. But she's queer, you know. Yeah. She's like totally on our team. Oh, yeah. And she's cool and she's funny and she's a good person. But people watch her for this reason or this reason. Mm-hmm. You know, like I started watching her show because she's gay. Yeah. Same. You know, and she was like the first person I could look up to. I literally leave my classes early to go watch it in my best friend's dorm room. Right. So that was our motive, right? Yeah. So um, (laughs) soccer mom number two is not watching it because she's gay. No. She's like, oh, I love Ellen. You know, like, oh, I'm going to watch this. Oh, she's got, you know, Patrick Swayze on here. Oh, he's hot. You know, whatever. But me and you were like, fuck yeah, family. You know? You're on TV. This is so great. Great. Right. You know, like you, you came out and then your TV show got taken off. And then you came back and were like, oh, yeah? And then well, you, now I'm going to have 16 seasons. And now I'm going to own everything. Yep. And have, like, a game show and everything. Yep. Oh, my God. The game show Ellen is, is just, hilarious. Thank you, Ellen. Right. Um, how can people be better allies for the transgender community? Not just, not just talking, like, across the board. Straight people, queer people. How, how can we be better allies to the transgender community? From your perspective. So, I mean, starting with the simplicity of pronouns. So, if you feel like you meet someone and you question their gender, don't gender them. Mm-hmm. Don't assume, mm-hmm. okay? And especially if you feel like they look like they might be 
confuse themselves or something like that. I always go for gender neutral. Mm-hmm. I always, and even when I have a cisgender client that looks like he just like walked out of an office and like super basic, mm-hmm. if I'm just meeting him and he's married, I'm gonna say, How are you and your partner? I'm not gonna assume that he is X, Y, or Z, right? Right. So, like, I never assume now. And I always say, Ask pronouns. And say, I just don't want to be rude. Can I ask your pronouns? Mm -hmm. And some people uh, are like, whatever about it. I am all about that. Asking people's pronouns is a very positive thing. And if you're offended by that, then I'm sorry. But we can agree to disagree. Yeah, just get into the habit. Exactly. Because then, for me, like if somebody asked me that, like how you did in the beginning, Mm -hmm. that just immediately makes you feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like, oh, wow, they're being actually like sensitive to me and they're Mm -hmm. picking up on the fact that I don't identify as the gender that I was technically born or whatever or presenting you know etc that and just um being an ally you know like being there for whatever you know you're going through being respectful of your pronouns stepping in like how my wonderful fiance does for me and saying blah 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 you know don't get on like your gender pedestal and say hey you misgendered this person that's not the right way to... Yeah. That's not going to... They're not going to accept the information that you're giving them. We're educating with grace, people. Exactly. Not fire. Exactly. Because that's, <laughs> exactly. Because that's not... I don't want... It's threatening. I'm already like, ooh. Right. You know? Right. I think a, another important component is being aware of what's happening outside of your perspective. Right. Um, there are laws <laughs> right now in place that harm transgender people yep. in our country. Um, you can play a role in making sure that those things don't stay there. Um, reading, watching people. Educating yourself. Um, educating yourself is probably, I mean, it's your number one step. It's the most powerful tool. Even if you just ask someone pronouns, mm-hmm. this really beautiful thing will happen. Is that you'll look at somebody, ask their pronouns, and then all of a sudden you'll be having this really great conversation uh-huh. with that person. Because you just got really intimate really quickly, mm-hmm. but it seemed really simple. But it was this gesture that allows a, a safe connection to, to unfold. Right. Um, and you might just learn something new. You might just make a new friend. You, um, you might just fall into being an ally after that. Right. And like being like, there's the whole campaign, like, I'll go with you. So like, for me, like, bathrooms are always a thing. Mm-hmm. And they will never not be a thing. Because I... I now, at this point, really can't use a woman's restroom, right? Right. Because I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. I obviously look and present very masculine, and that's okay. And I don't mind. I feel validated when I use a men's room, right? Most Mm -hmm. of the time. I would say about seven out of ten times, right? But there's three other times that I walk into the bathroom. There's not a stall. Mm -hmm. Okay? I don't use an STP. I'm very weird about cleanliness, and I think they're cool and great, and I love that. Personally, I don't really, like, know how to use one, and I don't really want to for, like, long term. That's just me personally, right? If you yeah. use that and you work with it, teach me your ways. Yeah. And tell me a sanitary one that I could go to the club with, right? Right. <laughs> and, you know, number two, there's a guy in the stall. Mm-hmm. And he's taking his time. And there's only one stall. Mm-hmm. And then a bunch of guys come in and use the urinals, and you get... And then, and number three, uh, you get looked at. Yeah. And in men's rooms, nobody talks to each other. Nobody washes their hands either besides me. It's really gross. It's disgusting. You were just holding your genitals. I don't understand. I don't hold my genitals when I go to the restroom, <laughs> personally, but I wash my hands after. It really is so gross. It's a thing, right? And they also don't flush the toilet. It's so weird, I swear. Please flush. 
Right. And so for me... And wipe. If, yeah, it's bad. <laughs> so, like, I've had um, a female um, presenting friend of mine. I say that because you don't have to be... Um, you If you're female presenting and you go in a women's restroom, I still think that's okay, personally. Mm-hmm. And that's just my personal opinion. So I get one of my female presenting friends or, you know, if Rachel, my fiancé, is around nine, I want her there. Mm-hmm. And I'll say... Like, I've had, like, when we were in Fort Lauderdale, this happened. We went to a restaurant. It was, like, a gay restaurant. And I go in the restroom. And she goes in the restroom, you know. And she leaves. And, like, there was a guy in the stall. And he was in there for, like, 15 minutes. And mm-hmm. I really had to go to the bathroom. And, like, I felt uncomfortable. And I started sweating. And I was, like, almost going to panic. Yeah. Because you're just, like, uh, I feel, what like, whatever. So I call her. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, like, hey, hey, babe. Can you walk with me in the women's restroom? So... I get her to come, and she comes with me, and we, like, she, I, like, keep my head down, and I go into the stall, and she stays outside of the stall, Mm -hmm. because I need that comfort. Yeah. Because if somebody comes in there and says, hey, what are you doing in here? She's going to say, they're going to the restroom. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I'll get her to switch my pronouns, like, when we've gone to, like, the spa before, and Mm -hmm. I've used, like, the women's side, and I prefer that side. And they're like, hey, you're in the wrong side. And I'm like, no, not, boop. You know, like, (laughs) because... Bathrooms are always weird for trans people, and it always will be. They're a massive territory for harm. But, like, for being an ally in that way, like, be there for your trans people. Say, if you're going to the bathroom and they decide that they want to use the women's restroom, if they, you know, want to feel more comfortable, be there for them. Mm-hmm. Don't leave the bathroom whenever they wait for them. Mm-hmm. Just in case they are going to be... Need you. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, I've had a lot of people that I've known, some of them not personally, but just that I've heard stories of, they get, you know, hate in the bathroom. And I've had, like... And it's in a tight, enclosed space. Yeah. It's not like you can... There's only one way in and one way out. Yeah. Um, And people get rather emboldened in bathrooms. Right. Um, Women's restrooms, everybody talks to each other. Everybody's like all up in each other's shit. Party time. Yeah. Men's room, they don't, they don't, they just go to the bathroom, they stare at the ground. I'm getting talked to it like by gay guys. They're, they're like hitting on me. (laughs) But that's the only talk (laughs) in men's room. Right. (laughs) I've made, uh, my partner and I have made a list on our phone. So when we go to restaurants, we, when we go to the bathroom in restaurants, we'll make a list um, when we go into the restrooms to see if there are stalls or not. Mm. And so for our transgender friends that like will go with to restaurants or mm-hmm. we know are going to go out, we've been just making this master list of That's restaurants awesome. in Atlanta and share it with people. Cause you know, like that, that understanding of the environment you're going mm-hmm. into is also like, it's not okay that you have to have a game plan, but to know the environment of the bathroom also helps. I've also, when I've been out of town, um, I've also asked like the hostess mm-hmm. because I just immediately was like, I'm just going to set myself up for success. And I go up to the host and I'm like, hi, um, the men's restroom here, does it have stalls in it? And they'll say, yes, it has two. Uh, yes, it has one. No, there's actually no stalls in there. Right. Okay, thank you. So that way I don't have to walk into one restroom and then walk out and feel awkward. And then, I'm, But for me, and I'm sure a lot of non-binary trans folks can relate, the number one bathroom besides my house <laughs> that I feel comfortable in is a gender-neutral bathroom. Yep. And it shouldn't have a gender on it. I don't... Yep. You don't have to put gender-neutral bathroom on it, which I think is beautiful and I love that. Just 
a bathroom. Bathroom. No, no sign. It's just a door. You can pee here. There's multiple doors. Exactly. Because <laughs> we're going to the bathroom, people. Yeah. Like, yeah. why does it have to be gendered? Like, yeah, that. I like the all restroom kind of thing, like, and stuff like that, like people that are changing it. Mm-hmm. But, like, I love places that have, like, just a line of rooms, like at Super Rica, you know, in Atlanta. Yeah. They yeah. just have. Like rooms. five rooms mm-hmm. and you just go in there and you have your own private moment mm-hmm. where you can like do your thing, wash your hands, take a selfie, whatever you want to do. But sometimes <laughs> like there's been times like where I've held it. Yeah. Because I can't. I mm-hmm. feel uncomfortable or whatever. I've gone outside like <laughs> I, w- I went to um, a, a party with um, my fiance and I's previous partner and there was like two restrooms and like, you know, they weren't necessarily like gendered, but like I felt like some type of way and I just didn't want to go and I just was like I need to so I went outside and peed in a bush Mm. you know and that was just because I felt uncomfortable and it's not about necessarily like everyone else and that's what another important detail like before I got my top surgery I would have clients that were like oh you're getting top surgery like and they would be like wow but you know you don't have like your chest isn't that big you don't know what my chest looks like. Mm-hmm. You know I bind every day. Mm-hmm. You know that I literally bind my chest every day. You have no idea what it looks like. You know, so never assume that you know what someone is going through. Or what You know what I mean? And then they'll say, oh, well, it's not that bad. And they, like, think... Or, like, um, my previous partner, you know, Rachel's so supportive, would say, like, I, I would be like, I have to go change and put on another shirt or another binder. Mm-hmm. And she'd be like, what do you mean? You can't even tell. And I'm like, she's like, nobody's going to be able to tell. And I'm like, it's not about everybody else. It's yeah, about me. me. I will go to Publix in a binder by myself in some sweatpants. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, comfortable as fuck, except for the binder. But the binder makes me feel validated. Mm-hmm. And even if I don't see anyone I know or even talk to anybody but the cashier, it's about me. It's not about them. And that's what people sometimes don't fully get as well. Like, sometimes I'll, like, I again, I don't want bottom surgery, but I'll pack. Sometimes I just put a sock in there mm-hmm. because people got to check. And that's, like, a thing. And I didn't realize it until a couple times that it was highlighted. Like, we went to a nail salon, and we, I got a pedicure, and, like, she got her nails done. And these ladies were, like crotch-checking me. Hmm. And we're, like, over here talking and, like, pointing. And, like, I was just, like... And, you know, Rachel isn't as aware because it's not happening to her. But later, I'm, like, they were crotch-checking me. And she was, like, damn. Mm -hmm. That's a thing. And I was, like, yeah. Yeah. People people do shitty shit like that. Or just assume, you know, which is half the problem. You know, if there's somebody struggling with claiming that they're transgender or struggling with um, coming out, um, what would you, what would be your words of encouragement? For me, another reason why I'm very visible on social media is because people in the past have been visible for me. Mm-hmm. And to just be there and to show people that you're not alone is really important. So I would say, if you're questioning your gender, start with doing some research. Yeah. Go on Instagram, you know, find some people that 
you know, you might be like kind of curious about and watch some YouTube videos, do some research. And then once you've, you know, kind of been like, okay, I think I might be on the gender spectrum, start with changing your pronoun. So if you're a female to male potential in the future or non-binary and you are biologically female and people have been using she, her, I would start with not going straight to he, him, start with they, them. That's what I did. And that was a really good transition for me because it wasn't black to white. It was like that fluid way. And I kind of was like, okay, how does this make me feel? And then talk to, you know, your friends and your family. And some of that will not be the most positive thing always. And I'm just telling you that to be fully transparent because I've been talked out, you know, of doing things. But I've also had friends that have been like, you know, I was just waiting for you to talk to me about this. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's not like they new necessarily but they're like I love you and I accept you so and this just makes sense because this is who you are Mm -hmm. you know like when I had my top surgery like most of my clients are like it's just you Mm -hmm. this is just how you this is how you have always been you know and they just see me as that and they don't see me as like a woman that changed to a man they're like, right. no, but this is who you are. Mm-hmm. Like you, some people have had disconnection with their chest and stuff like that. Like where they are like, oh man, like I, I'm going to miss my chest. Like my, you know, biological female, like breasts for me. I never, I was like, bye. See yeah. Ya. I'm good. <laughs> Get them off. You know, I had 29 years with them and I'm good. Those are great. Yep. It was great. It was fun. <laughs> but, um, and for my partners as well, like my partners, like my fiance and our, our girlfriend and other partners, because we are non-monogamous. Not, so I like to say that so people aren't like, whoa, he's like, what, what's happening? Just so you know, full disclosure, we're non-monogamous. So with my partners, they've like, you know, they understand that this is who I am. And now that I'm, you know, breastless <laughs> and have had top surgery, it just makes more sense. And it's like they weren't uncomfortable by my chest before necessarily, but it just is more right for me, you know. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you for having me. For sharing pieces of your story, sharing encouragement and helping people grasp some language maybe they haven't heard before or they have and needed some better explanation. Um, I want to encourage any of my listeners who are wrestling or struggling um, with your sexuality or your gender, um, follow Frankie. And I'm going to let Frankie tell you where you can follow. So I have two Instagram accounts, actually. One is every head is my canvas, which is a little bit easier to remember because I'm, I'm a barber, but also an artist. So that's my main account. And that's going to have like a bunch of all the above haircuts, pictures of me and my fiance, my partners, a lot of my transition stuff. But I also have a private account, which is the Art of Frankie. And the Art of Frankie is a 18 plus account only. And it has a little bit more of exclusive information on my transition details medically. And it does have a little bit more uh, vulnerability, if you will, in the content of it. And to me, that was really important because some of the people in the past, some of the queer and trans guys that I followed, this was years and years back, you know, Mm -hmm. technology wasn't where it's at. Right. As well as they didn't put not the pretty parts. 
Mm-hmm. They put, oh, this and this and this, but they didn't put the hiccups and the negatives and mm-hmm. the things that I wish I would have been aware of. Right. Yeah. They didn't tell the whole story. Exactly. And for me, that's so important. Um, I also don't want to miss folks learning about the conference that's coming to yes. Atlanta that you're involved yes, with. Yes, yes, yes. Can you tell folks about that real quick? So Beyond Gender is a brand new conference that is coming to Atlanta in July. And there's also a Instagram for that separately that uh, I am part of managing as well. And it is a gender conference that's unlike any other. It's going to cover everything from medical to, you know, non-binary, trans, male to female, female to male, gay, straight, lesbian, all the above, all talking about gender, how, you know, sexuality, talks about, you know, queer youth, talks about resources, we're going to have all different types of stuff, and it's going to be really beautiful because we're going to shed some light and hopefully begin this amazing conference for many more years in the future. And New Beginnings is actually behind Beyond Gender. New Beginnings, the place that I stayed in South Florida, is actually putting on the conference, which I'm super glad that Rachel and I are involved in, and it's going to be amazing. And again, if anybody is looking to get surgery in South Florida, New Beginnings is undeniably the best place you could possibly be. Um, thank you so much. Of course. For sharing, uh, for being you. You are a beautiful human, and I am just humbled and honored to know you. So. Well, I feel the same way about you. Sweet. Well...